We have a great guest today on In Tune. This is a special edition. She is a rock, soul, blues, and gospel singer. She could be a country singer, too, for those of you who like country music. She's an exceptionally versatile vocalist and songwriter. Matter of fact, Rolling Stone magazine named her album Change the Whole Thing as one of the best albums of 2018. NPR classified her in a class of young pop crossovers calling her What's Next in Nashville. American songwriter called her a soulful showstopper. In 2018, she was named a YouTube Emerging Artist and Pandora Artist to Watch. She's had over 50-plus performances at the Grand Old Opry, shared the stage with Kelly Clarkson, Cheryl Crow, Bob Ware, Hart, Joan Jett, had a national debut on television on NBC's Today Show, performed at the Peachtree Music Festival, American Americana Fest, Bourbon and Beyond, and Lightning, 100s Live on the Green. She even won an Emmy for Comcast Washington Redskins theme song in 2014. She's currently finishing her 60-tour event featuring the Change the Whole Thing tour. Welcome to Maggie Rose. Maggie, welcome. Thank you for that introduction. I, you know, 2018 was a good year. It was, it was a great year for you, and you have just springboarded into a lot of wonderful things. And tell us a little bit about how the tour's been going. It's been really such a transformative time for me. I think Change the Whole Thing was such a catalyst for me as a musician, and it introduced me to a whole new group of fans that I feel like really resonated with this record. And um, we've got to see the country and crisscrossed it several times now, and it's just been uh, an opportunity. I'm blown away by how people have reacted to the music and how they've come out to see us time and time again. So very, very grateful. And, you know, you you can't be classified really in any of those buckets or silos because what you do in your writing and and your singing and what the band does with you is you really cross a lot of genres, and it's tough to say, well, she's this or she's this. And that's one thing that I appreciate, is that you really weave in and out of all those genres very well and provide a, a, a great performance. How, uh, how was that transition? Uh, and I'm kind of speeding up ahead of some of my questions, because having that ability to record the songs that you want to do as an artist and doing them the way that you want to do them, sometimes is difficult in an environment that wants you to do it another way. How did you transition and, and make that work for you? Well, thank you for observing that. And it is extremely difficult to navigate those waters and not appear to be unfocused. But I think we eliminated all of the contrived approach that you would uh, come at it with, with marketing, how do we label this and how do we present this to the fans? And we really put that in their hands. And they were able to piecemeal together from that last record music that they really loved, regardless of genre classification. And I think that just the music industry and atmosphere is yielding itself more to those kinds of artists who custom make their own sound. I think you see that with people like even Casey Musgraves, who can't be classified in one genre or the other. And it's because when you stop focusing on the singles-driven world and you show the whole breadth of who you are as an artist, people start to realize how multifaceted you are and you can be, and they find something that they love. And I love that with every release we've had, with the Digital 45s that we did, um, 
with the release forthcoming for the whole record, people were picking different favorites. There wasn't like this general consensus rallied around one song. It felt like there was a really dynamic fan base out there. Well, and I think one of the reasons, I, I remember reading something on your website that said a fan had, had written and said, gee, how come your concerts aren't like your, your records aren't kind of like your concerts? And you really listened to that statement. And I tell you what, when you listen to this album, folks, of Change the Whole Thing, it's like listening, it's like being there. It is intense. There's a, a, an electricity about listening to all the songs, Maggie, that um, really resonates. Well, thank you. And yeah, that was a very well-meaning fan who came up to me a couple of years ago after a show and basically said something to the effect of, you know, we, we enjoy your live concert and we love coming out to see live music, but um, that actually is something that we prefer to the recordings because at some point from the recording to the live realization of that music, there's something missing and I think that the disconnect was just in the fact that I was not just doing what I would do on stage and we were over uh, manicuring the vocals and maybe making the production too slick because you can get to a point where you just continue adding on and grooming and grooming and you lose that life that people come to a live show to see. Now, do you like to songwrite more than you like to sing or is there... Uh, necessarily a one that you enjoy better than the other because you've written I feel like, a boatload of songs yes and I, I feel like that's what makes music such a sustainable thing to me is even when I'm 90 years old god willing I'll still have writing and I'll still have that outlet for creativity and for connecting with people and um I think that it's sort of like baking a cake you need all the components and it's uh, chemistry that comes together and for me writing feeds into the show and I have a better show when I am really intrinsically connected to the material that I'm singing and I think that you're not going to get there if you're not putting your voice into the songs. So I, you kind of went to my next question some things you're intrinsically connected to in the song so when you write are how much of the songs that you have written are about personal experiences or maybe events that have happened in your life? Everything has uh, some grains of personal influence, but I think that it's our job as an artist to make the message that we're putting out there relatable to the masses. You want to comfort people and make them feel like someone else is going through something that they're also going through. And while I think that some of my songs are more confessional than others, I try to use my experiences but not be overtly individual in how I'm relaying those ideas. Because I want them to be, I want them to belong to everybody in some way. So who was your inspiration as you were growing up listening to uh, music, either uh, on uh, LPs or on uh, other kinds of medium? I There are a lot of strong women that I listen to, Bonnie Raitt being one of them, Linda Ronstadt, Aretha Franklin, Etta James. Um, you know, I, I came up with all these women being the queens and Dixie Chicks and Shania Twain and, you know, even TLC and these girl groups that were thriving. 
So that was not something foreign to me at all, whereas the landscape has definitely changed, particularly in Nashville. Um, But the Stones, Sinatra, uh, the Beatles, Beatles were huge as far as melody and uh, arrangements. And I just had a lot of good music playing in the household as I was growing up. And And a very willing audience and my family members to hear me sing whenever I wanted to, which was constantly... (laughs) Yeah, I saw that video, and uh, folks, if if you're not uh, familiar with Maggie's website, you you need to go there. It is uh, MaggieRoseMusic.com, and there's some very interesting videos on there. Matter of fact, one is the, on the change the whole world um, or change the whole thing. You could change the whole world by changing the whole thing uh, <laughs> that you've got on there that kind of describes that that whole process. And and you're singing as as a youngster. Was that yeah, you know, I know your parents probably encouraged that, but it was, almost sounded like that is something that you naturally flowed into. And what about singing kind of captivated you at an early age? I think it was, well, I mean, it's just the beauty of music is very compelling to me early on. And at that young of an age to be able to captivate a room of adults, you know that already that's something that's powerful and that's a good vessel for communicating and connecting with people. And I was always an extrovert. And I think that all of that went hand in hand and conditioned me from a very, very early age to see my power in having a voice and having the ability to make people feel a certain way and, that was a a gift that I wanted to share. And my parents particularly were very encouraging of me sharing that. Even if they didn't really have musical abilities of their own, they were just very supportive and appreciative of my willingness to sing and my curiosity about it all. Well, you have a a great voice. My gosh, it's... uh... I refer to you have the pipes to do what you're doing. You have the range, you have the clarity, you have the the intonation and pitch. So, folks, we're talking to Maggie Rose, who's going to be appearing at Delmar Hall this Friday, January 10th at 8 p.m. Tickets are available on Ticketmaster. And this is, I think, the third-to-last booking on her tour. And you're listening to uh, In Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston on KWRH 92.9 FM in St. Louis. Maggie, are you still playing tennis when you get a chance to? I would love to play it more. Um, I have been spending a little bit too much time on the road, I think. (laughs) I'm a little rusty, but I do love the fact that you just need one other person to play tennis with. So apparently your serve was... a little bit more convenient. Your serve is, is pretty nasty, what I read. It was. It was at a time, which <laughs> makes me laugh. I spent so much time in high school practicing tennis that I wasn't able to be in the ensemble, and now I've spent <laughs> the remainder of my life dedicating it to music. I wish that I had maybe spent a little bit more time in uh, choir practice instead of on my serve because I could have applied those skills a little more often now. Well, you you actually went to Clemson University and were majoring in uh, performance, correct? Correct. And then yes. you made the decision to leave Clemson, uh, was it after your sophomore year, and kind of go to Nashville and, and make, a, make a go of it. What was that 
transition. That's a, that's a pretty big decision to leave college and relocate and establish a, a career in the music industry. Talk, talk a little bit about that. It all felt very, very dramatic at the time. And, you know, if I knew then what I know now, it would have been even more daunting. Um, but I got connected with Tommy Matola and simultaneously I'm enrolled at Clemson studying vocal performance and also splitting some of my time, like flying home weekends to perform with the B street band. So I had all these different things going on and I wasn't sure how I was going to get there, but I was hoping to leverage all of that to do what ultimately I ended up doing. But Tommy Matola was the liaison for me to move to Nashville. And he introduced me to one of the first producers I worked with. So having laid that groundwork down, I felt like I was able to make the leap and, there was no there was no uh specialization and way to really get down to being an expert in what I was doing than by moving to Nashville. I just had to go live it and breathe it and I left before midterm exams in my sophomore year because time was of the essence and I was signed shortly after and sent down a path that I learned a lot from but kind of had to untangle myself from a couple of years later because I didn't feel like I ever really got the proper time after moving to Nashville to ruminate on what it is that I wanted to do. And I feel like the last couple of years have really been the most authentic result of all of that. I think that's a great word to use. You're, you've really got an authentic voice as to what you're trying to communicate to listeners and uh, pe- whether they're live at a concert or whether they're listening to uh, one of your tracks. If you if you go back to the past couple of years on the tour here, what are what are some funny things that have happened? And I, as I know, people when they get together, you know, the band always seems like they're very cohesive and they all love each other. But I know sometimes when you spend a lot of time with people, you know, you get on people's nerves sometimes. I know that's with with people that I know. How's that been with the band? Sure. <laughs> well, and we are really, and I, I describe them very consistently as my, my band family, my musical family. And we recorded Change the Whole Thing in the building I'm sitting in right now, all of us in one room live. And at that point, there was no record label in the picture, no one telling me, you need to deliver this album by then. We just did it because that was the only thing we could do. We had to make something together. So they've been there for me and with me when there was nothing really going on. And we've always just had a really beautiful uh, collaborative relationship with each other. And I'm referring to them vibes in particular. And my drummer, Sarah, who's been with me for nine years now. And that consistent belief in me and what I'm doing and I reciprocate that to them is kind of ironclad. It's made our relationship and our friendship with each other so strong that um, we have autonomy, but we really are a group that relies upon each other. I noticed that you also interact in such a way that the egos are kind of left at the door and if if there are any, and it's it's all about the music, it's all about the product that's coming out, and them supporting what you're doing in a way that 
brings that to the forefront and adds a little bit of uh, spice to it. <laughs> yes, I, I want people to see the camaraderie between us, and I, I think it jumps off stage, and I think that's one of the aspects of the show that people come to see. Um, but the egos have to be checked at the door, especially if you're making timeless music, because the effort is to possibly create something that will live beyond us and will mean tremendously different things, different people. And it was sort of what I was referring to with songwriting earlier in our conversation, where you can't let yourself so specifically be at the center of all of it, because then it just cheapens what it's all about. So it what, should belong to everybody. It, it should belong to everybody. And folks, I want to remind you again about uh, Maggie's concert this Friday at Delmar Hall at 8 p.m. Maggie Rose will be there singing. This is her second appearance to St. Louis. And if you happen to miss that, you're going to have to drive to Cape Girardeau Saturday, January 11th to or, see or her. Or come to both. You or come, come to both. To there you go. Them. There you go. <laughs> so it's two or three of the last concerts on, on the tour. So the funniest thing that's happened on the tour that you guys just, you might mention one word and you start laughing, or you remember that when this happened? What was that? Well, we ride around in the Buzza Bus, which is a transit bus that we got from a women's Jewish community center, and we converted it into our little holy roller that we drive all over the country in. Um, and it's just a, a constant state of meeting, cleaning up, and sometimes we've been in tough positions. We don't have a restroom on the bus, and we were about an hour outside of Nashville, and no one was hurt, but we were stuck in a car accident that made the hour remaining turn into six. So people were taking turns going out into the woods on the side of the interstate because you can't <laughs> pee on the buzz bus. So we've been through all of the the really glamorous moments of touring life together. And um, that's our little home on wheels that is definitely not well equipped to get yeah. 10 people <laughs> all over the place. So we're in close quarters often. That's that's a, a memorable story. Those, those are the kind oh, that... Oh, there's so that... many. I mean, I was sort of going through the Rolodex of ideas in my head for stuff that maybe is not safe for this particular program right now either. And you are what I would consider still a newlywed, and Austin uh, has been uh, a tremendous uh, blessing to you, I believe. Uh, based Absolutely. A, based upon and he's a Missouri boy. And he's a Missouri boy. He's from Sykeston, Missouri. Am I correct with that? You are correct. Okay, and he, he had his own career prior to you guys meeting, and uh, you guys were able to... Uh, I, I saw the video of when you sang a song together and he got down on one knee and proposed to you. It was very, very touching and very, very warm. So I'm glad somebody had recorded awesome. it. <laughs> and it was a, a hometown theater that um, we actually just played our Christmas show out. And my grandparents were all there, my sisters, my parents. So he was very courageous to do it that way. And it also um, it allowed us to share the moment with some of our nearest and dearest. And uh, we work together. He is part of my management team. But he's also got a musical background, and he's very creatively brilliant. And I love 
that we can share in it together because if it wasn't him and we didn't have this dynamic that we have, I'm sure that I would just be single. There would be no one else. That's that's very that's very sweet of you. As I watching uh, some of the things that you guys have done, uh, you guys click very well together, and I think uh, both of you enhance each other's work that's going on in the music industry. We're- Absolutely, and it lets me just be completely, completely invested in music to where we're constantly discussing it and and talking about how we can make the show better and the music better, and I have this sounding board who's genuinely invested in what I'm doing and understands what I want for us and for this music. So what happens after the tour, Maggie? When when you're done, do you have, I know you're doing continuing to write and to continue to record. Is there another album in the works or what are your plans? Yes, we are. Um, in fact, I was just listening to some of the final mixes last night. I recorded a full-length album down in Muscle Shoals, Alabama at Fame Studios which has yielded records from a lot of my favorite artists who've kind of put me on this path in the first place, like Arisa and Bonnie Raitt and Wilson Pickett and the Almond Brothers and Rolling Stones. It's just this amazingly legendary spot that has sort of like a time capsule almost and the way the studio is set up. And you just draw this energy from that place and I got to make it with some of the folks from Alabama Shakes and my producer is Ben Tanner of Alabama Shakes so he pulled in some of the best musicians from that area I brought some of my bandmates and we got out of Nashville and just completely immersed ourselves in this record and that's going to be pretty much what my 2020 is about is getting that new music out to people and showing them what we've been working on as I think a lot of people think, oh, you write the songs, you go to a studio, you record them, they're mixed, and boom, then there's an album. But how how long does this take for you to like pick the, pick the exact songs that maybe you want on the album, and the order that you want them, and then getting everything linked up vocal wise and instrumental wise, and then like you said, listening to the the tracks and going through them. What what's what's the course of time we're looking at there? It's it's amazing how much time and planning and organization goes into a three-minute song. And I've been working on this forthcoming album since right about the time that Change the Whole Thing was released. It's been kind of an idea, a, a bucket list thing of mine to go down to fame and record. And on December 10th of... 2018 we were performing on a program called Muscle Shoals to Music Row and that's where I first got to really be in the studio and meet the people who are behind it and um, that alone is just an unbelievable story. Rick Hall is a legend and he has a really tight run ship and I wanted to do it my way and kind of get out of the headspace of the music row mentality that we have in Nashville. And it was nice to breathe, eat and sleep this record and do it in an inspiring setting. But it's been months and months and months now in the works. And uh, it was nice to get back into the conceptual approach of making a record 
that was a little different from Change the Whole Thing, but I, of course, borrowed so much of what I learned from that process and applied it on this record. Which makes it us uh, even want to hear that one when it comes out even more because uh, of the dynamic that uh, the Change the Whole Whole Thing album has been. I'm so excited to share it. I feel like I'm, I, I was ready to hit the ground running in the new year, so the music has everything to do with that. That's that's dynamic to hear because sometimes I, I, you know that some artists are putting things out there, just kind of cranking things out for a variety of reasons. I know there's dry spells too in writing, and there's times when it just flows. And sometimes it's demand based upon producers or companies and contracts and things like that. And I, I am very glad that you have the freedom to do that the way that you're doing that. Of course. Well, and I think every artist goes through that cyclical process of thinking where they're like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. And then they're like, oh, no, this sucks. And then you go back to this is the greatest thing. And I think anyone with a healthy dose of self-awareness is going to go through that. And, of course, I had a little bit of postpartum from Change the Whole Thing. It was daunting to imagine going on to a new project. But once you get that ball rolling and it's feeling good, it's really hard to not dig in and, and see it through. It, it is like, like birthing something. Point. It is like birthing something. It's, <laughs> yeah. It, it takes a while. We don't have any real kids yet, but we have a couple albums that are <laughs> our babies. <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. This is Arnold Stricker of Intune. We've been talking to Maggie Rose, who's going to be appearing at Del Mar Hall January 10th this Friday at 8 p.m. Tickets are available on Ticketmaster. And we look forward to seeing you Friday down there at the concert, Maggie. We're really looking forward to We're so to, excited. To and we're going to play some new tunes from the record. So oh, super. if you go, you'll get to hear Change the Whole Thing and then a few select tracks from what I've been working on. Excellent, excellent. I appreciate the time that you've given us today, and we look forward to seeing you on Friday. I can't wait to see you. Thank you for your time. We're excited. Thanks, Maggie. You take care. All right, you too. Mm, bye-bye.